out there and you know members of the Illuminati listening in on this podcast. <laughs> I'm Michael. I'm with Alex as always. How's it going? And we're here with another episode of Falling Through Plot Holes, a podcast about video game plot lines and how they have a tendency to go off the rails. And we're here with part two of our series on the Street Fighter franchise. Last time we left off, we went over the first two games and then the entirety of the Alpha series. And it ended with M. Bison being most certainly dead. Which, given it was Alpha 3 where M. Bison was certainly dead, and then in Street Fighter 2 he was very much alive, Right. you could probably guess where this is going to go. But at the end of Street Fighter 2, Bison, this time, for reals, he's dead, and he's probably going to stay that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Alex, I got a quick question for you. Mm-hmm. Do you believe in the Illuminati? I'll say sure. All right, yeah, like, no, me why, too. Why not? Are, are you familiar with the history of the Illuminati at all? Uh, I'm vaguely familiar with, I don't know, is it all the stuff with the Knights Templar and the Freemasons and the whatnot? Yeah, more or less. It's a name that's been given to several groups, both real and fictitious, over the years. And mm. there actually have been real groups called the Illuminati before. Right. And uh, essentially, they existed in the 18th century, and you know they were kind of like this you know, little in-group and whatnot. So that uh, were basically former Freemasons, from what I understand, they mm-hmm. kind of creating this group, and it, they weren't really like a serious thing trying to take over the world or whatnot. Right. But uh, they did end up, you know, getting just enough powerful people inside of their group and whatnot, and were you know good enough about recruiting certain people that. And it, this was in Bavaria and. Bavaria, of course, being part of now the modern state of Germany. Mm -hmm. And, you know, eventually, though, some very powerful people in the uh, the Prussian and Bavarian governments were like, we don't really need to have you around. This seems like it could be a problem. Right. Yeah, so they ended up uh, getting very much dissolved. Yeah, yeah, they, that's usually how that goes. Yep. Yeah, and so, like, this wasn't really a big thing. It was just basically the government banned all secret societies, and uh, because of that, it basically was the death blow to the Illuminati. Mm-hmm. And so they essentially don't exist anymore. But because of this, because of the fact that they were technically a secret society alongside the Freemasons that actually did exist, right? this ended up creating a bit of a conspiracy theory that the Illuminati has always existed and they control everything behind the scenes. Right. So if you... Uh... <laughs> If you're wondering why I'm bothering to bring all this up, it's because the next game we're going to be talking about, Street Fighter 3, for one reason or another, <laughs> involves an organization that's even more evil and even worse than Shadowloo, the Illuminati themselves. <laughs> so yeah, it turns out uh, the next game we're going to be talking about, the game that's actually the farthest in the future, but we're going to be talking about that first because it sets up a lot of things for 4 and 5, is uh, Street Fighter 3. A very interesting game in in general, and Alex, if I remember correctly, you said it was one of your one of your favorite games in the Street Fighter franchise. Yes, possibly my favorite. Yeah, it's definitely my favorite, uh, specifically Third Strike, mm-hmm. and it was a really cool game and a really ambitious game in many ways. Yes, very much so. So unlike the Alpha series, which had a lot of characters from Street Fighter Two, Street Fighter Three's uh, subtitle is called the New Generation. Because they said, we're going to get rid of all those characters, and mm-hmm. all the characters that are, that are going to be in Street Fighter 3 are going to be brand new. Now, they still included Ken and Ryu, and that's mostly because somebody at Capcom basically said, no, you need to include Ken and Ryu. <laughs> right, or this is not going to work. 
Yeah. So so they did, but otherwise, all other characters in this game are brand new, including uh, Dudley, a British boxer, uh, a character that's actually supposed to be Kenneth Ryu's replacement by the name of Sean, a Brazilian, a Brazilian uh, fighter who like fights with a very similar style to Kenneth Ryu, though mm-hmm. still quite quite a bit different. Yep. And like a uh, a few other characters as well round out a very eclectic and very different cast, like. To the point that, like, even their like their visual design is is quite a bit different than your standard Street Fighter characters. Yeah, it was a real sort of revamping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and needless to say, Street Fighter Three wasn't the most successful. Like, it it wasn't horrific. It didn't do horrifically bad for them, and it did well enough that they did release a couple revisions in arcades. Uh, right, including Street Fighter Three Second Impact colon Giant Attack. <laughs> Which I don't, I don't think you could give something a, su- a subtitle, a subtitle, but Capcom decided they could. I guess so. I mean, Second Impact is really good. I don't know why they felt they had to keep going. Yeah, right. They, they kind just... of nailed it and then added an extra flourish that just made them fall on their faces. Right. Yeah, they just decided we're going to go for it completely. I guess. I guess. <laughs> and then, of course, they released their third revision, which is Street Fighter Three Third Strike, which is that's a good name. That's a good, a good name. name. It's real strong. Yeah, and even with these revisions where they included additional characters, such as uh, Hugo from Final Fight or Urien or other characters, like they actually showed a surprising amount of restraint and added only two legacy Street Fighter characters. Uh, Akuma shows up and Chun-Li throws, shows up in Third Strike. Actually, I was going to say in her best costume, but I think I'm thinking of her alpha costume. Yeah, her alpha costume is pretty rad. Yeah, she shows up in her classic Street Fighter Two garb. That's right. And, yeah. And yeah, so it's a very fun game. It's a very unbalanced game. It's a very beautiful game. Yes. And it's a game where Street Fighter's story starts to go completely off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> Little bit. Yeah, which you'd think, oh, wait, what about the reclining Buddha statue that had a secret robot inside of it that was going to shoot lasers at satellites? I thought that's when it went off the rails. And the answer is no, actually. Actually, no. <laughs> so we might as well jump into the plot of Street Fighter Three. So, Street Fighter Three takes place well into the future, a future where Shadowloo has basically ceased to exist. Now, once again, though, it turns out there's an even worse and even more evil organization that exists. And once again, that's the literal Illuminati. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it turns out the Illuminati has existed for the entire time. Much like their real-life counterparts run by Tupac, Dr. Dre, and Wu-Tang Clan, uh, sure. they've been manipulating everything since recorded history. This even includes the actions of Shadowloo themselves. They were controlling things behind the scenes there. And they were content to do all this from the shadows until one day, their ultimate leader emerged. Gil. (laughs) Inspiring, I know. (laughs) Gil's so dumb. Gil is so dumb. It's such a dumb dumb. name. Oh, God. It's a dumb name. It's a dumb design. It's a dumb power. It's everything's dumb. Oh, yes. Gil is such a weirdo. He's also a strong believer in eugenics. Yeah, of course he is. Why wouldn't he be? Why wouldn't he be? So, already we're getting off to a great start with him. So he's the son of an Olympic-level athlete who also had a doctorate in sports dynamics, which is not a real major, (laughs) and was born into the Secret Society themselves. Uh, We're going to be using the name Secret Society interchangeably with Illuminati. Uh, they're, They're both the same thing. Right. Uh, for, from a young age, Gil and his brother Urien 
were genetically enhanced and trained in intense hand-to-hand combat and also instructed in the arts and sciences thoroughly. So Gil would eventually come to lead the society, and how he would do so is completely bonkers. So it turns out the Illuminati are a democracy. Okay. Yeah, so they vote for the president of the society, and in fact, both Gil and Urian were considered candidates for the longest time. Their mother, who happens to be the you know sports scientist and whatnot, was also considered, but she never quite got there. So Gil and Urian were like the top two candidates. However, it turns out there was something that tipped the scales in the favor of Gil. So according to Illuminati legend, the emperor of the secret society would be reincarnated into a new body after death. So Gil, it turns out, has the ability to revive himself from the death. How he learned this, I'm not sure, but he can. <laughs> Why does the Illuminati have an emperor and also a mythology about that emperor's resurrection? This is an excellent question. I'm not really sure. <laughs> the Illuminati are all sorts of weird. Like, every emperor that they have, when they die, they preserve their brain. Which, by the way, means they've had preserved brains for the past 2,000 years. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Everything about them is strange. But regardless, Gil's like, hey, I could do the same thing that supposedly the previous emperor could do. So I'm his reincarnation. So he was immediately elected president over Urian. Shouldn't that uh, make him emperor? You know, one would think so. One would think so. But no, he's president right now. Okay. So Urian was upset about this. But to be fair, he was considered kind of emotionally unstable. Mm. <laughs> and... Given that throughout the series, he's constantly saying things like kill and being emotionally unstable. They were kind of right. Yeah, a little little bit. So by this point, because of all his genetic enhancements, Gil is like overflowing of power. He controls both the elements of ice and fire. And alongside glowing, and I do literally mean glowing blonde hair, his body is half red and half blue split down the middle. He likens himself to a Greek god, because of course he does. Sure. And he has taken to wearing basically nothing but a small piece of cloth over his genitals. He just goes around like that all day. Occasionally he'll wear a robe, but only occasionally. Right. Why wouldn't he take the name of a Greek god? You know, no. that's a good question, right? Other than Gil. Maybe he just really likes the name Gil. I, I don't see how that's possible, but anyway... <laughs> Every time I just say the name Gil, I just think about Gil from The Simpsons and how like ridiculously pathetic he is. Yeah. And it's Gil. just like, yeah, poor Gil. And now I'm thinking of Gil from Street Fighter 3 trying to sell cars. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, now, Urian's not happy about any of this, but remember, the Illuminati is a democracy. So he actually manages to rally enough support that the next election, he's elected president over Gil. Here's the bad news for Urian. Mm-hmm. Is that because Gil is maybe the reincarnation of the previous emperor? They just make him emperor, so he's still in charge. <laughs> Why didn't they do that in the beginning? <laughs> I don't know. And like, it's really funny because like when Gil's president, Urian's vice president, so he's second in right. command. And then Urian becomes president. He's like, yes, I'm going to be in charge. And they're like, no, nah, actually, you're still basically vice president. We're, we're Why is there still emperor. a president if there's an emperor? I don't know. Why doesn't the president just go away as soon as the emperor's reincarnated? You would kind of think that they would do that, but nope. Isn't the presidency just a stewardship at that point? So, how it works, apparently, is that 
the president is like the public face of the Illuminati, the secret mm-hmm. society that doesn't have the, a public yeah, face. The pub, the, there is no public face of the Illuminati. Yeah, but the emperor is the real leader, and only the president and the immediate inner council knows who that is. So I guess he's supposed to be like the one who's supposed to take the bullets, essentially. All right, sure. Yeah, it's it's incredibly, incredibly stupid. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop asking questions about the political machinations of the Illuminati from Street Fighter 3 now. <laughs> oh, it's an endless rabbit hole. <laughs> so, now that Gil's in charge, what exactly are his goals and the goals of the secret society? Yeah, also an excellent question. What What does this Illuminati do? So, well, it turns out there's a prophecy that in the near future, uh, around 2200 AD, the world's going to end, and the boy who controls the elements will be humanity's savior. Okay. So because of that, Gil gets a god complex, and he realizes he's the living messiah. Oh, uh, I see. And so what does, yeah, so what does a literal eugenist and social Darwinist with a god complex do? Genocide, I assume. Pretty much. He obviously decides that the only people who will be worthy to be able to join him in the new future have to be the strongest fighters. Okay. So this is one thing I really appreciate about Guilty Gear is they had one tournament at the very beginning of the series. And then after that, they were like, we don't have to do tournaments anymore. Like, we can be (laughs) free of tournaments. Things can just happen without the construction of tournaments for the sake of tournament. (laughs) Chun-Li can just go kick this guy. She doesn't have to go through a World Warriors tournament to do it. She does not. She's very good at kicking. She's top tier in this game. (laughs) Yeah, you know, the game we're talking about, technically we're talking about Second Impact, because Mm -hmm. this is a Street Fighter Alpha situation where Alpha doesn't matter, but it's Alpha 2 that matters. It's kind of the same for Street Fighter 3, where Second Impact's the same story as the first game. But in Third Strike, they do do away with the tournament. They're like, nah, it's just what happens afterwards. Right. Which is nice, yeah, because it's like, you don't need a tournament. <laughs> so, he plans the third, later retconned to the fourth, World Warrior Tournament to help right. determine who has the right to walk with Gil into his dumb future society. I can't believe he didn't take one look at Ryu and say, okay, maybe the strongest fighters aren't the most well-prepared for the beautiful future of the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah! Like, Ryu's so. not gonna help you in the apocalypse. <laughs> He is not, no. Ryu's just going to go sit under a waterfall and think about punching rocks. Yep, pretty much. That is Ryu's whole deal. It has always been his deal. It'll never not be his deal. <laughs> yeah, still, Gil, I don't feel like Gil has a whole lot of plans that are going to work out real well. <laughs> no, no, not really. But he decides that, okay, we need to get the strongest fighters. And these fighters include, like, a pair of twin kung fu masters, an ancient old man so powerful he only uses one arm to fight, and a literal African princess. Yeah. And of course, Ryu and Ken are there too. I feel like probably none of these people are actually going to have a lifespan that extends to the apocalypse if it's in 2200, but especially the old man. Yeah, I don't know. Um, So the old man we're talking about, his name is Oro. Yeah. He's actually maybe the one person who will, because I think he's technically 200 years old or something like this. Oh, that's like true. This. Yeah, Oro might be, like, immortal or something. Yeah, he he became so good at fighting that his body basically never deteriorates. I mean, he right. still looks old as hell, but... Right. He's like Master Roshi now, essentially. Yeah. 
so yeah, uh, so we're introduced to all these fighters. We're also introduced to Sean, who is a Brazilian fighter that's training in the Ansasukan arts underneath Ken, uh, who's kind of a joke character. Just <laughs> a little unfortunate. Yeah. However, there is one particular fighter we need to talk about. He's the main character of Street Fighter Three, and one that's going to make this really confusing because his <laughs> name is Alex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Alex, the Street Fighter is an amalgamation of Guile and Hulk Hogan. <laughs> he is a wrestler from Manhattan, and he literally looks like a clean-shaven, idealized version of Hulk Hogan. Like, just, like, if Hulk Hogan had kept all of his hair, yep. and, you know, didn't have the dumb goatee, that would be him. So, he was orphaned at a young age and raised by his father's friend, Tom, who literally looks like uh, Jean Renault. He's a military vet and a good fighter who runs his own gym, and, you know, he realized Alex could be a good fighter, so he, he trained him. So one day, his life is turned upside down, though, when Gil shows up and challenges Tom to a fight. And Gil does something horrible to him. Absolutely bone-chilling. He fights him in a fair fight and wins. And then Tom ends up in the hospital, but he's pretty chill about it. He's like, oh, yeah, no, no, it was a fair fight. Fought honorably. That's great. Right. Alex, though, is angry and wants <laughs> revenge. And Tom's like, no, you don't, you don't have you to. Don't, it was a fair fight. There's no vengeance to be had. Yeah, this is a very bad setup for a vengeance quest. But he's like, okay, fine. Go and fight him, I guess. <laughs> so Alex ends up confronting Gil. Like, he fights through the rest of the world warriors. And uh, Gil tries to tell him some nonsense about humanity it has to be led by the strong and whatnot. And mm-hmm. Alex is just like, no, shut up, fight. <laughs> which they do and to Gil's surprise Alex wins like Alex yeah. beats his ass so he's the winner of the World Warrior Tournament like he's the actual confirmed winner which means if you believe Guile won the second Street Fighter Tournament that means America 2 Japan 1 so yeah, yeah. go America yeah. although I actually may be getting ahead of myself it actually may be tied but anyways point being <laughs> fair true Alex ends up winning the World Warrior Tournament, and he comes home. Tom is completely recovered because, once again, it was a fair fight. He wasn't trying to kill him. Right. And Alex is like, hey, yeah, I just want to come and say my goodbyes because it's time for me to travel the world and find tougher opponents. He basically takes the Ryu path, essentially. (sighs) Unfortunate. Yeah. Man's going to be a hobo within five years. Yep. Evil powers are going to be trying to overtake him. It's... Weird men with red hair are going to be challenging him to death fights. It's going to be bad. Yeah. So Gil's plans are a little quashed by this, but also not really. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's like, well, I, I lost. I guess like my invincibility is a little shattered, you know. Right. I was supposed to be God's gift to humanity. But uh, it ends up being a little bit more thoroughly quashed when Akuma shows up. Ah, right. That'll do it. Yeah. And Akuma's like, oh, you're a really strong fighter. I can use my entire power against you. <laughs> <laughs> this goes badly for Gil. Because Akuma kills him with his assassin art, the Shun, the Sun Goku Satsu. A move that I don't believe I have actually explained before. It's the same move he used on Bison. It's a move that literally rips the soul out of a person. <laughs> and so he does that. But thankfully for Gil, he can revive himself. So he just literally does. <laughs> And, which, poor Akuma. What? <laughs> this is going to be a recurring trend for him. Yeah. Boy, there's a lot of people who can revive themselves in Street Fighter. Uh, yeah, it turns out death is like, in Street Fighter is like it is in Dragon Ball Z. It's 
yeah. more of an inconvenience rather yeah. than an end-all, be-all. So, Gil does revive himself, but, I mean, he's still, like, really messed up, and he has to actually heal. So he's, like, put into a pod somewhere that we're going to discover soon. And this gives Urien an opening he desperately needs to seize the secret society for himself. So, you're probably wondering what happens to Ken and Ryu during this time. I am, but I'm also not. I assume they fought some people. It's very short. So, Ryu decides to walk to Oakland for some reason. Oh, that's a poor decision. Yeah, right? <laughs> and Ken gets punched in the balls by his son. And that's Street Fighter 3. Alright, yeah, that that tracks. Yeah, that is literally the their endings. Is Ryu gets dropped off 30 miles outside of Oakland. He's like, I'm gonna walk to Oakland. <laughs> I mean... And Ken, in some of the best sprite art I've ever seen, gets punched in the balls by his son. Alright. Well, he became a family man. He became a family man. He did. So, this leads us to Street Fighter Three: Third Strike, which serves more as an epilogue rather than its own thing. Right. And becomes surprisingly more Ryu-centric. So, long story short is that Alex runs into Ryu and just gets washed by him. Like, mm. Ryu just wrecks him. And so, Alex is like, okay, wow, this this dude is great. I need to get stronger and fight him. And so, like, he, like, trains. He, like, goes and fights all the other world warriors again. Right. And eventually, he re-encounters Ryu and fights him. And uh, we don't know the outcome of the fight. Because mm -hmm. apparently, any pentultimate fight with Ryu, you can never know who wins. Right. <laughs> but they do. And, like, you know, once again, Alex is basically, like, a wrestling version of Ryu, essentially. Right. By the way, this is the last relevant thing Alex is going to do. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's it's such a shame because like okay I like Chun Li as a protagonist of Street Fighter mm. I think Ryu's a really boring protagonist yeah and it it seemed very clear that the intention here was like you know let's let's do a new thing let's yeah. bring on a new generation and have a new protagonist and then he just kind of becomes Ryu and then he just goes away. Yeah, right? Like, he starts out as, like, this very, like, kind of, like, bombastic and hot-headed person. Like, they clearly want to, like, have a protagonist that was hot-headed. Yeah. And, like, a very typical shonen sort of protagonist. Yeah. And, like, they even, like, give him, like, a different fighting style. He's more of a wrestler and a grappler. Yeah. It's like, they really were trying to do something different here. And it's so cool that they were trying to do that, but, yeah. yeah but he, then they were yeah. like, oh, never mind. Never mind, this is the Ryu show. <laughs> Shoto's forever, I guess. Shoto's forever. <laughs> so speaking of Ryu, Ken and Sean also run into Ryu, and Ken gets the brilliant idea to have Sean basically run to Ryu's fist over and over as a way to help with his training. <laughs> <laughs> so I can I can be like poor Alex, that sucks the treatment he got, but he didn't get it anywhere near as bad as Sean. Yeah. Sean was just like, he's here. Yeah, hey. Sean is Sean's been in the game since, since like, the, the beginning, right? And right. for those of you who don't know, like, with each release of uh, Street Fighter Three, they, you know, would do balance changes and whatnot, make some characters better, make some characters worse. And, like, the exception is Sean. Sean started out Street Fighter Three sucking, and by Street Fighter Third Strike, he actually became worse. Yeah, <laughs> somehow. <laughs> Which is, like, dude... <laughs> Steve actually has, like, a kind of cool moveset. Yeah, no, he's a really cool character that just doesn't work. He doesn't work. He and doesn't has work. nothing going on. Yeah. Oh, poor guy. 
So Ryu also runs into Oro, the old man who fights with one hand, and he's so impressed by his strength that he actually considers training him. But he decides not to, and he wants to see like how he's going to progress, and he feels like that in about 50 years, they should be on equal levels to be able to fight, which is mm. like, man... Like, I I could totally believe Ryu becoming so strong and getting that Master Roshi treatment of living forever. Right. And, and meanwhile, Akuma is just doing Akuma shit, like swimming to undersea's Rex and kicking him to the surface and doing other weird stuff. Yeah, sure. Why not? So this is all just kind of like flavor for what's actually happening in Third Strike. Right. Because you're probably wondering, wait, what about Gil? Yeah, what about? Okay, I wasn't wondering that. But anyway, what about Gil? <laughs> Poor Gil. Well... Arian finds out that Gil's been resurrected at the literal Tower of Babel. Right, of course. Yeah, yeah, turns out that exists. Sure. And it turns out nobody knows where it is. But you'd think that somebody building a giant ancient tower that's meant to literally reach, you know, God's kingdom. Right. Uh, you figure that'd be a very noticeable thing. You, eh. would, you would think, yeah, but I guess, meh. Yeah, so this is the place that stores the brains of every emperor that's ever existed in the secret society over the past 2,000 years. And sure. it also has Gil hanging out in a tube. So, Urien taunts his brother, wearing full business suit, by the way. Mm. He's, like, real proper about this. And he sets a self-destruct sequence at the tower, blowing it up and ensuring that the future that is built will be his future. He then sort of arbitrarily declares to no one that this is the first year of AU, or after Urien. So... <laughs> I don't think that's real. I don't think that's real. And to be fair... <laughs> His plans get off to a very bad start, because his first plan is like, I'm going to kidnap this small child named Lee Finn and experiment on her. Mm-hmm. This is a massive mistake for it's him. A, yeah, that's a bad plan. Because, unfortunately, that little girl is a student of none other than Chun-Li. Frickin' oops. Yep, and Chun-Li's been retired at this point. She's running, like, a, you know, a kung fu jo- dojo in Hong mm. Kong. And she's like, wait, what? <laughs> so she tracks down Urien and beats the living hell out of him. Because <laughs> she's Chun-Li. Yep. So she does that, rescues Lee Fen, and then just, that's it. That's their strike. <laughs> cool. So yeah, like, I mean, so this theoretically sets up a lot of interesting things going forward, though. Like, what's Urien going to do with the secret society? Is Alex and Ryu ever going to encounter each other and have their true ultimate fight? Like, um... Is Ryu going to reach, reach that level of enlightenment that he's so desperately trying to find? All these questions will never be answered. Nope, because this is a Capcom series. Yes, and with the failure of Capcom's fighting games sort of in general, and just like the general fatigue when it came yep. to fighting games in the late 90s and early 2000s, Street Fighter is going to go on ice for roughly about 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's a rough now, period. It's a rough period, because the fighting games that do come out during this time are stuff like Capcom Fighting Evolution, mm-hmm. which, Alex, I don't know if you've ever played that game. I haven't, but I've I've heard words. Yeah, it's it's bad. It's a bad game. It's, yeah. it's meant to be like Street Fighter's King of Fighters, and it, it fails in every aspect. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, with stuff like that, fighting games are essentially off the map. That is until a employee at Capcom uh, by the name of Ono more or less gets the idea of like bringing back Street Fighter 4 well bringing back a game calling it Street Fighter 4 as mm-hmm. a kind of a return to form having it be like a, what is Street Fighter 2 existed nowadays right and at first there was a lot of there was like a lot of uh, 
impediments in his way. Like, nobody wanted to get this game made. Until he joined our friend of the podcast, Kenji Inafune, and went to him and was like, hey, I think I can make this happen. And Inafune's like, nah, this seems like a great idea. I'm going to fight for this as well. Maybe the greatest thing Inafune ever did at Capcom. It might be. Because in 2007, Street Fighter Four was announced and released in 2009, and it was a huge deal. Yep. It ushered in, really, the return of fighting games as, like, a real big mainstay. Like, they never went away. Like, Guilty Gear was hanging around, for instance. Right. Like, Mortal Kombat was still coming out with games and whatnot. But yeah, it was, but they like, were not good. They were not. And <laughs> this was, like, the big return to form. Yeah. And with it, like, fighting games became mainstream. Evo became, like, an incredibly huge thing. Like, this became the main stage game, and it only left because Street Fighter V showed up. And... Oh, I was just going to say that might have been a poor decision. But anyway. Yeah. Street Fighter V has come along. It's come along. But it's, it's getting there. It's getting it's there. It's getting there. Final 90% of its life cycle. Yeah, right? <laughs> but yeah, Street Fighter IV's big thing is that it's more or less supposed to be like, hey, what if there's like a true sequel to Street Fighter II? Mm -hmm. So because of that, a lot of the main cast from Street Fighter II ends up coming back. And it also means that Ryu is now our main character again. Fine. Yeah. The, Will he punch somebody? He is going to punch a lot of people. Find out on this new installment of Street Fighter. <laughs> now, the one thing I will say about, you know, Street Fighter 2, the Boo Saga, is that its story does go in directions that are quite fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. It's it's a fun story, even if it's the dumbest thing possible. Yeah. So, jumping into it, this takes place about, I don't know, like six months after Street Fighter 2. So, pretty darn close after the end of that tournament. Mm -hmm. Once again, Street Fighter 4 returns to the roots of what made Street Fighter good. And with Ryu being our main character again, this also means that Shadowloo has to come back. Right. Because so, Shadowloo is Ryu's greatest nemesis. It's greatest nemesis. <laughs> that evil organization that Ryu definitely cares about. That Ryu is tangentially aware of. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> so, they are technically gone right now, but out of their ashes rises the Sin Corporation. Yeah. Sin stands for Shadowloo Intimidation Network, and it's led <laughs> by a man named Seth. Good. Yes, joining joining the illustrious naming convention of Gil is <laughs> Seth. Yeah, just what vaguely Western single-syllable name can we find? Oh, yes. So, Seth is a bald, gray, naked man <laughs> with a yin-yang symbol in his stomach that constantly is rotating? Yeah. And he is a bioweapon that was developed by Shadowloo with the ability to copy other fighters' special moves. So, like, he's stretchy like Dalsim. Like, he could stretch his mm -hmm. limbs. He could throw sonic booms like Guile. He could do Shoryukens. Like, all this sort of stuff. So, before Bice's death, Seth, who gained intelligence, was ordered to complete the Belk Project. <laughs> okay. Belk stands for Boiling Liquid Expanding Cell Explosion. By the way, strap yourselves in. There's going to be so many stupid as hell acronyms. <laughs> to the point that eventually Capcom will stop explaining what the acronyms actually mean. <laughs> now, nobody initially knows what this program actually does. 
But what is known is that it's missing one ingredient. Data relating to the Satsui no Hado. Uh, or the Dark Hado. Right. So Seth, along with his second-in-command, Crimson Viper, a woman wearing a business suit with some wild-ass red 80s hair. Yeah. And even, like, 80s glasses, too. Like, I love her design so much. It's really good. It's very strong. Very, very strong. Um, Bring back Crimson Viper. Uh, They decide to use this program as a way of giving himself the ability to take over the world. And in order to find this data, he holds a new World Warrior tournament in order to lure the only person capable of using the Satsui no Hado out of hiding. You probably is he hiding? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I feel like he's not hiding. I feel like you can just go to him. I mean, to be fair, I feel like half the time Ryu's living off the grid, Jesse the Body Ventura style. Sure. So, like, the only way you can actually find him, like, you can't call him. You just have to be like, "There's a tournament." And he's like, ah, the call of the warrior. <laughs> yeah, I guess. There are two dudes punching them, punching each other on the corner. He's like, ah, yes, mighty warriors. <laughs> <laughs> so, God. yeah, you figure they call Akuma, but no, they, they want Ryu. Sure. Yeah, because once again, nobody knows about the guy who killed their boss, I guess. I guess, yeah, sure. So, the tournament is announced and a bunch of people enter, including Ryu. And a mysterious man named Abel. So, Abel's an interesting guy. He's a blonde, muscular man trained in judo, and technically French, who was found with amnesia by Charlie Nash in his Chateau base. You know, before Charlie ended up dying. Right. Since then, though, he's been wandering the world, like, kind of with amnesia, but by happenstance, he ends up running into Chun-Li, who, one, is very suspicious of sin, because, once again, Chun-Li is the only person who has any sort of acumen <laughs> involvement with anything. Right. She's like, this is a Shadowloo front. And also, oh, you knew Charlie? Hey, well, maybe you should enter this tournament, because it's clearly run by Shadowloo. Right. Maybe it'll jog your memory. So he does. Also, I feel like even if you don't immediately know it's Shadowloo, the fact that this organization just calls themselves Sin. Yeah. Maybe should raise some red flags. Yeah, and I didn't look into this too deeply, but from what I understand... It's called the Sin Corporation because it actually is a corporation. Like, people know about this. Right. <laughs> but it's also called Sin, though. Yeah. And it's not making sex toys. So clearly, it's yeah. it's something shady. <laughs> clearly. It's like, we make, I don't know, teddy bears. It's like, but why are you calling yourself Sin? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is, yeah. there's, there's some questions here. What's up with your name, Gray... Naked man <laughs> with the yin yang engine in your gut. Yeah, what's your deal? <laughs> That's like the first question in every press conference he holds. <laughs> One, can you please put on clothes? Two, what's up with the yin yang symbol? So, how does Ryu feel all about all this? Well, he's supremely worried about the dark power still inside of him because okay. he's he's feeling like, okay, well, if I get into fights with strong fighters, I may have to tap into this, and maybe it'll overtake me. But he also can't resist entering a tournament, so he does anyways. <laughs> now, during his training for the tournament, he does get ambushed by Crimson Viper, and he's only able to fight her off by tapping into the Sasu no Hado briefly. Now, he's about to be completely consumed by it, but then Ken and Sakura show up and snap him out of it. They're like, hey, stop being an idiot, and it works. Sure. So, for Seth, it seems like everything is going to plan when a big old wrench is thrown into it. Because it turns out... M. Bison is still alive. Good, 
Good job, Akuma. You're now 0 for 2. Technically 0 for 3, because uh, he also tried to kill another warrior by the name of Gen, who also survived uh, right. the Shun Goku Satsu. So, 0 for 3 so far on yeah. killing people with your move that has a 100% kill rate, supposedly. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure at least two of those people did die. I mean, I guess so, but... <laughs> they just, you know, undid the dying thing. Yeah, they just they just found the way. They found the loophole in the death clause. And Bison's back, and he's rather upset at Seth for assuming control of Shadaloo. Wait, wasn't that what he was supposed to do? Well, sort of. He was supposed to, like, put the pl- Operation Blowkin, or whatever it's called, into, like, place but that was supposed to be for bison's benefit and then when bison supposedly dies seth's like ah i can use this to take over the world for myself oh all right so bison's like no you can't so now seth himself does have a trump card in the form of jury jury jury's cool she's a korean taekwondo expert who's been genetically enhanced by shadowloo and contains what's called the the feng shui eye in place of her left eye she is a sadistic woman who likes torturing her and her opponents, like such as Chun Li. She is absolutely insane. She is absolutely insane, and she hates M. Bison because he's responsible for murdering her parents. Yeah, yeah. Turns out Bison really just likes murdering the parents of young women. It's just kind of his thing. He should he should really murder the children too. Not murdering the children seems to come back to haunt him a lot. It really does. So. You know, Seth sends her after both Chun-Li, who's investigating Sin, because once again, Chun-Li actually is a problem solver. Right. And M. Bison. And at first, it seems like she's going to solve all of his problems. Until Bison <laughs> suddenly shows up in Seth's chambers and challenges him to a fight to the death. Oh. And Seth's yeah. like, wait, how did you manage to do this? And it turns out it's because he made a slight miscalculation in his assessment of Jury. Because you see, he thought Jury just hated Bison. When it turns out she hates all of Shadaloo. So she engineered a situation where they would fight and kill each other. Yeah. Yeah. Smart. Yeah. Um, boy, Shadowloo's such a stupid organization. The fact they're able to exist for longer than five seconds seems impossible to me. It's like not only does your not only are all of your weapons either impractical or actively despise you. Mm-hmm. Now you have a power struggle in your own organization, and then you're like surprised. How is Seth surprised that M. Bison is able to like breach his chambers? Yeah, it's a right? Shadow Lou facility. <laughs> Bison runs Shadow Lou, right? <laughs> he could. He just walked in. His the the key cards still work. You never even bother to change those. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it's. I mean. Shadowloo is an organization where their third in command literally is a corrupt boxer with with mountains. Yeah, of <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Like the idea that they're able to run anything is the fact they're able to run a lemonade stand would be amazing. It's, it would be. I'd I'd watch that side story. Oh, that'd be great. Oh that'd man, really Balrog trying to sell lemonade. Oh, uh, never takes off his boxing gloves. Ah, <laughs> uh, so. Seth is like, okay, that's all right. I have another trump card. I have Crimson Viper. She's going to help me. But it turns out he's wrong about her as well, because it turns <laughs> out she's a CIA agent. Oops. <laughs> Oops. 
Seth you know, God- if someone if someone shows up to the job interview wearing a black suit, you might want to run a background check on them to see if they work for the CIA. Yeah, and Crimson Viper, when she joins, like she immediately has mm-hmm. a bunch of ideas how to create like really strong super weapons. Mm-hmm. And which, by the way, I know this is not the CIA. This is the FBI who does it. Right. If if you ever like, man, I wish I knew how to build a bomb, and somebody shows up <laughs> with plans of how to build a bomb, they're the FBI. Yeah. <laughs> this is what they do. Yeah. So Seth should have immediately known something was up, but eh, you know, he's <laughs> he's like a militia man in in Montana. He's just like yeah, he, happy somebody's here to help him. He was only born three days ago. Like, give him a break. Yeah. So Bison just straight up kills Seth and only leaving only his brain intact, which Jerry steals and runs off with. Why did he leave the brain intact? That's the least useful part to him. Yeah, right. He needs the bioweapon. What's the brain? The brain's the part that betrayed him. Yeah. I figure it's just Bison just kind of being like, well, if I had the brain, I can torture him forever or something. I don't know. Sure. So before Seth truly dies, though, it's revealed there are about 25 or 26 clones of him that exist. It turns out he was just number 15. Like, number 15 was the one that gained intelligence. Okay, right. And during this time, the rest have also gained intelligence. Which, given that the original console release of Street Fighter 4 had uh, 25 playable characters, mm-hmm. uh, I think that means technically every ending is canon. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Isn't yeah. that great? Okay. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, this also means that literally every character in street fighter beats up Sean, uh, beats up seth sakura beats up seth ryu beats mm. up seth you know hosting multiple world martial arts tournaments to filter and hone the most powerful fighters in the world might not have been the best decision shadow Lu ever made no it seems like an awful awful decision because now, all of a sudden, you have 26 incredibly crazy strong fighters. Yeah. Like, I don't think Sakura would even be a fighter. Yeah, if it wasn't for Sagat hosting that <laughs> tournament, she would not have seen Ryu fight and it not have decided, I'm going to learn how to throw energy fireballs. Yeah. you. They literally made children into their most powerful enemies. Yep, they did. <laughs> like, repeatedly repeatedly yeah it's because makoto exists too yeah and And so does ibuki yes there are so many characters who are like we are literally japanese schoolgirls. also we are expert martial artists and we'll kill you (laughs) and they are a hundred percent serious about what they do yeah and it's all it's all ambition and shadow's fault congratulations yeah good job oh man yeah so all these all these sets end up fighting and all of them end up getting beat up. But the big ones to focus on are the ones that Ryu and Abel fight. So, we'll start with Abel's. Mm. Abel manages to get inside Sin's headquarters alongside uh, Guile and Chun-Li. Like, he teams up with them. Mm-hmm. Chun-Li gets up, like, getting kidnapped halfway through and Guile has to go and rescue her. So, Abel ends up encountering a Seth clone by himself. And, like, he fights the Seth clone for a bit and he realizes the clone looks and feels exactly like him. Which... No, he doesn't. But that's But that's go with it. That's what we're that's what we're told. So Abel then hears a voice from behind him that calls uh, Seth imperfect and also calls Abel imperfect as well. And then Seth explodes. And it turns out that it's M. Bison who did that. Oh. 
So Bison reveals to Abel, is like, hey, you want to know why you have amnesia? <laughs> Turns out you're a failed clone of me. Congrats. You were meant to house my soul. Oh. Yeah, right, so he... that whole thing. Yeah, so it turns out Abel was a part of the doll program, and he was discarded in favor of the uh, cami dolls that would eventually exist. Right. And so Abel's a little shook by this. Like He runs away from Bison, because he's like, I can't take this guy. And mm-hmm. Bison just allows him to leave. He's like, yeah, cool, see you later. So he eventually escapes the now crumbling Sin base along with Guile and Chun-Li, which, by the way, is crumbling because Ryu is up to some stuff. Ah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. So Ryu makes his way to the center of the base and finds the Black Machine and a clone of Seth standing in front of it. So this Seth is hella pleased by this because he needs to fight Ryu and analyze him. And mm-hmm. once he does, he'll be able to complete the machine. The machine then is revealed to be able to give him a power similar to the Satsu no Hado or to anyone he wants. Mm-hmm. So he'll be able to create super soldiers from this. So Ryu attempts to fight him like normally but Seth quickly proves to be like too much for him so Ryu has to tap into the Satsu no Hado which at first pleases Seth but then he kind of regrets this because like haha this is great oh god you're punching me because <laughs> yeah turns out when Ryu uses the Satsui no Hado it's very very powerful yeah so, yeah turns out yeah so it turns out the machine also begins absorbing Ryu's power and actually begins to like overpower the machine Mm. So, like, the base starts to crumble from all this. Now, he defeats Seth, and before he's about to succumb to the Dark Hado, Sakura shows up again and snaps him out. He's like, hey, you're Ryu, you're my friend. And he's like, oh, man, you're right. And he's like, well, we still gotta take care of this machine. So he shoryukens it. He literally uppercuts the machine so hard it explodes, but not before he and Sakura can escape. So, as a final coda to all this... Crimson Viper tries to extract the schematics of the machine from Sin's databases, only to find they've been deleted by Cammy. She, like, snuck in and deleted all that. Okay, that makes sense. Now, Chun-Li also manages to get information leaking Shadaloo to the Sin Corporation, which will lead to the big scandal with them, eventually deleting them to being dissolved entirely. So with that, Sin is destroyed. However, this means that Shadaloo can once again rise from its ashes, because M. Bison's still around. Uh, did Shadowloo yes. ever go away? No, they never did. They never really did. But now they're back and better than ever. Are they? <laughs> Sorta? <laughs> in, in a bit. <laughs> so that's the end of the main story of Street Fighter 4. But it isn't the end of Ryu's story in the game. Because after all this, Ryu is understandably worried that the whole being consumed by the Dark Hodo thing is gonna kind of happen to him. Right. And he's also apparently reached, like, the limit of his skills, because he's not getting stronger. And he realizes he's only going to get stronger if he uses this dark power. But he doesn't want to do that because he doesn't want to become Akuma. Right. So luckily for him, though, he ends up running into an old friend. Goken, his old master, who turns out to be very much alive. Right, right, forgot. Yeah, so for those of you who who didn't listen to part one, Goken was the master of Ryu and Ken, who was who encountered Akuma, and who's his brother, and was murdered by him. Akuma used the uh, uh, Son Goku Satsu and essentially killed him. Well, it turns out no, he didn't. He was <laughs> he was on layaway for two years, <laughs> right? But now he's back, so <laughs> that's now O for four. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
poor Akuma can't kill anybody, and he just really wants to kill somebody. Yeah. So yeah, once again, when we last saw Goken, Akuma used his son Gokusatsu, assassin art, to murder the literal soul of Goken. But it turns out it didn't work, and he's just fine. Now, he's obviously concerned for Ryu and his growing dark power. He first assures Ryu that, yes, he can get stronger without falling to the dark power. And then he does him one better. He seals the power of the dark Hado within himself, using the power of nothingness. <laughs> the power of nothingness is the antithesis of the Satsui no Hado. So, Akuma learns about this and is furious, because, hey, this was supposed to be his big fight, man! So right. he wants to get his revenge and end Goken once and for all and hopefully find a way to undo his work in the process. So they have a big old dumb fight, and unfortunately for Akuma, even at his full strength, he is no match for Goken. As such, he's forced to concede that Ryu is out of his grasp, and he must find someone else who can fulfill his desire for the ultimate fight. And with that, Ryu and Goken then part ways, not as student and his master, but rather as friendly rivals, as he feels there is nothing more to teach Ryu. And that's the end of Street Fighter Four. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a nice like end coda to all of that, right? Yeah. You know, we got the Dark Hado stuff out of the way. Yeah. Ryu doesn't have to worry about the Dark Hado anymore. It doesn't have to be his concern or fixation. Mm-hmm. And we will never hear about this ever again. Nope. That plot is resolved. It is resolved. So yeah, Street Fighter Four ended up being an incredibly successful game for Capcom. Ended up having multiple revisions. And with that, they wanted to make a Street Fighter V. Now, Street Fighter V, unlike four, ended up having a very troubled development. Yeah, now, it did. We're not going to get too much into the nitty-gritty of it, but when it was released in 2015, the game released without a story mode. In fact, I think it released without an arcade mode. It literally was like, here's versus, yeah. and you can fight a few AI opponents. Yeah. It was incredibly, incredibly bare bones. And the reason for that is because they sort of made a decision halfway through with how they wanted to do their story mode. So here's where we had to take a slight tangent and talk about 2009's Mortal Kombat 9. Mm. I think it was released in 2009. We got to talk about Mortal Kombat 9 regardless. So Mortal Kombat, up until Mortal Kombat 9, had been kind of in a really bad spot. Uh, multiple games with... Really, really dumb stories. Didn't really play well at all. And by the time um, Mortal Kombat vs. DC came out, Midway, essentially, the company that was behind it, essentially died. They yeah. went out of business. Now, the remnants of it reformed under a new studio, studio called NetherRealm. And NetherRealm really wanted to do something cool and different with Mortal Kombat 9. And also do away with a lot of the cruft and the bloat that came along with the Mortal Kombat story. So they decided to completely wipe the table, literally do a time-traveling storyline, mm -hmm. but tell it in such a way that basically everybody was going to copy it going forward. They actually had a literal story mode where it's linear, it is well told, they use the actual, like, one-on-one -on -one fights in there to accentuate the story and kind of tell, like, little vignettes that go on. Mm -hmm. And intersperse it with really well-done cutscenes. And use that to retell, essentially, the story of the first three Mortal Kombat games. People went nuts for this, because not only was it just kind of a fun story, it was also a very obvious and very good way of telling a, a fighting game story. 
And I yeah. think weren't the first ones to necessarily do this. Uh, there are some Japanese fighting games that kind of did this as well, but this was definitely the first mainstream example of this happening. And with it happening, everybody else decided this is what they had to do. Street Fighter was no exception, which made it a problem when Street Fighter V released and it did not have this story mode at all. <laughs> <laughs> now, what was replaced was you could play as one of the one of the characters and you would go and fight a couple of AI opponents and then you would get like a couple of small, barely animated scenes of usually somebody being like, hey, I recognize you. Hey, Sakura, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, we should have a fight. Anyways. Bye. It was so basic, and it was quite terrible. Yeah. But eventually, they did end up patching in the story for Street Fighter V. And it is exactly like how Mortal Kombat 9 did it. A series of one-on-one -on -one fights with story vignettes in between to kind of tell a incredibly silly and incredibly overwrought story about prophecies and chess pieces and people who like to eat souls and all sorts of other nonsense that we're just about to get into. So with that, I guess we need to talk about the story of Street Fighter V, which actually, yeah. by the way, Alex, before I get into this, have you played through Street Fighter V at all? I I have played the game. I haven't played the story. I have watched a let's play of the story. Mm. So I'm vaguely familiar with how this goes. Ah, all right. Well, this is going to be interesting then because Street Fighter V, the basic idea behind Street Fighter V is this is supposed to be a bridge between the old Street Fighter and the new Street Fighter. By that, I mean Street Fighter 2 and Street Fighter 3. So because of that, you have characters from 3 that are going to play major roles in this story. Right. All the while kind of giving some send-offs to the characters from Street Fighter 2, except not really. Except not really, because those characters aren't going anywhere. They aren't going anywhere, because yeah, it, this story really just reminds me that, hey, no, we are not going to move on from Ryu and Chun-Li. Yeah. That's just simply not going to happen. And any characters that they do move on from, they have explicitly proven they can bring him back at any time. Pretty much. It, it really, before I even get into it, it does speak to a problem that fighting games do have. If you create a cast of characters, balance their moves, and you know, really put a lot of work and effort to them, if you do a story mode where they die, it's, it's very difficult to kind of move on from that because then you have to come up with something new for the next game. Right. When it's easier to just bring those characters forward. Yeah, it's easier and it's easier to get a positive reaction to it. Yeah, like, totally. Just banking on built-in goodwill is way easier than asking people to trust some new development. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And, like, what was interesting, though, is that at first, Capcom kind of shied away from that. Like, when they went to Street Fighter Alpha, for instance, mm -hmm. they had Charlie, who was basically just Guile. Right. He had the same moveset. And then when they went to Street Fighter Three, they ended up having Remy, who was basically French punk rocker Guile. <laughs> right. And then after that, they went, actually, how about we just have Guile? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 really unfortunate they went that way, even though it's kind of understandable. But because of that, it's very difficult to have stakes in these sort of story modes. Right. As we're going to... Go ahead. It, it is hard to do, and it can really backfire. Like, I, I, I feel like at least originally Street Fighter Three kind of suffered from that. Um... It got a lot of backlash for its character selection, yes. But nothing will suffer harder than 
what was it, Soul Calibur Five? Mm. That just was like, look, it's it's the descendants of all those characters you like, and everyone went, we hate this. <laughs> we hate this. They, go away. And then didn't they eventually just bring in the ancestors? Yes. Yes. Also <laughs> so now, that. So now it's just sort of awkward. Yeah. Uh yes. So yeah, it's it's a difficult position. It's a very difficult position that's in it. And I I think Capcom did their best to have their cake and eat it too, but as we're gonna yeah. see from the start of Street Fighter V, they don't I don't think they do a good job with it. No, no. So let's get into Street Fighter V, a game that literally has three hours and thirty minutes worth of cutscenes. <laughs> oh god. Which is too much. It is. So, Street Fighter V starts out with a very much zombie-like Charlie Nash awakening from a bad dream. So, Char- first off, Charlie's back. He's alive. He's literally stitched together like he's Frankenstein's monster. Mm-hmm. And he has a dream of a wild, red-haired man trying to eat a soul. So, nobody it's not really sure how he's revived, but as he begins to remember what happened to him, he sees a vision of M. Bison and feels compelled to hunt him down. He hobbles outside, and he's met by a blonde woman named Helen, who seems to know who Charlie is. She tells him that if he wants to get revenge on Bison, he needs to retrieve a piece from a man in a photograph that she hands to him. This photograph is of his old friend, Guile, who at first he doesn't recognize. Mm. So, meanwhile, what's up with Ryu? I mean, he's overcome the Dark Hado. Yeah. Like what's what's his deal now? What's his main drive? Yeah, what's here? his gonna be his what's gonna be his driving character motivation? So Ryu, having overcome the Dark Hado from the previous game, goes to find Dalsim in India in order to get help controlling the Dark Hado with in- inside him. Oh my fucking god. Right? Oh my god, it's just nothing else. There's nothing else to do with Ryu. There is nothing else to he do with Ryu. He worries about the darkness and he punches people in the chest. That's his whole character. That is his whole character. But yeah, yeah, it turns out that they're just going back to that well. All that work, work with Goatkin previously? No. Nope, didn't matter. <laughs> I mean, he could be like doing like a Goku sort of thing or just trying to like get more powerful and find enlightenment no nah, we're not gonna do that no nope, no just the dark hado it's always the dark hado it's always very dark and it's always very hado so dalsin gives him the advice that perhaps he should stop running from his dark power and rather simply face it like he does with everything else so you know what valid that's the best thing i've heard about it so far yeah right so ria's like huh maybe i should when all of a sudden this man by the name of Nakali shows up. Oh my god, I forgot about Nakali, actually. Yeah! Nakali is a man from Nash's dream. He's a red-haired Aztec warrior who's actually just more of a like, Malovian spirit at this point. Right. Like, if he like, gets electroshocked, he's literally just a shadow and stuff like that. He, like, literally is not real, essentially. Right. So he wanders the world, consuming the souls of powerful fighters, and he has set his sights on Ryu and Dalsim for some reason. Yeah, Dalsim's powerful. Yeah. There's supposedly a prophecy where he has to consume the souls of a powerful warrior, such as Ryu, a man with control of fire, such as Dalsim, and then M. Bison, because he's the power of evil. Sure. <laughs> Which is like... Kind of amazing. It's like, Dalsim, hey, you just got upgraded, buddy. Yeah. You're important now. So Can you Ryu... be our main character? That'd be kind of cool. I like Dalsim. So as Ryu fights him, he nearly succumbs to like the Dark Hado, 
but like Dolph seems like stop it, stop that. <laughs> and it, he fights Macaulay instead. So as he does that, though, a random solar eclipse happens. Visions what? Of, yes. Okay, sure. So visions of seven dark moons fill the fighters' minds. Oh, my and, God. And Macaulay and Dalsim recognize this as a prophecy of the world ending that can only be averted by the intervention of many great warriors. And with what that, Macaulay retreats. This? It's so terrible. And, like, mind you, these cutscenes have, like, the worst blocking and, like, the characters move so stiffly and it just looks so wrong. Right. Like, these cutscenes look terrible. So, with this news, Dalsim and Ryu decide to go figure out what's going on. So, elsewhere, near a Shadaloo base, a Middle Eastern technophile wearing a little Dragon Ball Z scouter by the name Rashid happens to notice two Shadaloo members trying to kidnap a little Chinese girl. So, he rescues her and we learn her name is Li Fen. This is the same girl that Chun-Li will eventually rescue from Urien in Street Fighter 3. Right. She gets kidnapped a lot. Isn't Street Fighter 3 like 15 years in the future? Something like that. It's, it's some amount of time in the Fair future. Enough. So it turns out Rashid is looking for someone else inside the Shadow Loop. Actually, that's a good point. Hold on. Let's, let's point that. No, let's go back. Yeah, because <laughs> Lee Finn <laughs> literally looks the same in Street Fighter 5 than she does in Street Fighter 3. Is Street Fighter 3 tomorrow? Guess so. <laughs> I mean, it would make sense, given that Yun and Yang have shown up in Street Fighter 4, right. looking the same that they do in Street Fighter 3. So True. They might as well. Yeah, oh god. This game is such a mess, and I did not even realize it. So, it turns out, Rashid is not looking for her, but somebody else that's inside the Shadowloo base. Like, mm-hmm. he has, his friend ended up getting kidnapped, but... Before he can get inside, he's confronted by a very extra man by the name of F-A-N-G, or oh Fang. Oh, boy. You're probably wondering what Fang stands for. They don't say. So That's fine. I don't care. This is going to be a recurring theme. So Fang is Sagat's replacement inside Shalu because Sagat's no right. longer with him. And he's an eccentric man who dresses like a Chinese apothecary who has some real big plans for Shalu and his boss and Bison. Yeah? So... It turns out Rashid showing up at the Shadowloo base is very fortunate because he has something he needs. He beats up Rashid and takes a chess piece from him. One of many pieces that are needed for his ultimate plan. Operation C-H-A-I-N-S. Or Operation Chains. That Operation Chains stands for Operation Chains. <laughs> yep. They, they do not explain. Okay, sure. So, do you remember those? Black I'm just going moves? to assume this is Fang's thing. Is he? He's unfamiliar with the concept of acronyms, so he just comes up with a cool word and then spells it like an acronym. Yeah, he's like, okay, I got to present this plan to M. Bison, but I can't just call it Operation Chains. I have to make it seem like I thought about this more than five seconds. Yeah. So he just makes it a dumb acronym, and he just hopes that Bison doesn't ask. <laughs> yeah, which to be fair, he probably won't. Yeah, no, and I, it succeeds. He's, he's doing the plan. So, you remember those black moons from earlier? Yeah. It turns out those are satellites that Shadowloo has sent up into orbit. Now, okay. using the chess pieces, Fang intends to detonate these satellites in orbit to do two things. Create an EMP blast that will disrupt communications, and at the same time, create so much psycho energy that M. Bison can absorb it and become super powerful. Wait, what the hell are these satellites? That's an excellent question. They're literally purple balls in space. They just are powerful bombs that set off EMP blasts and I guess also are filled with psycho energy. Oh. Yeah. Wait, 
Okay, why couldn't Bison just absorb the psychoenergy straight from the satellites before they launched them into space? Well, you know, that's a real good question, Alex. I don't really know. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they have to explode in order to, like, create psychoenergy and it would be dangerous if it was on Earth. I'm not really sure. Hmm. It... I, I I think just like every other plan Shadaloo has, it has to be a little bit over the top. Otherwise, M. Bison just is not satisfied with it. Yeah, I guess so. So, those chess pieces themselves, by the way, are the control keys for these satellites. But they ha- were stolen from Shadaloo and sent to various warriors around the world. So, Fang, now that he has at least one of these, decides to test out one of the satellites. And he explodes it over New York, knocking the power out. So this is where we are reintroduced to a person introduced in Street Fighter Alpha 3, but really didn't matter there then, but that now does, by the name of Karin, hmm, Karin Kanzuki. So Karin Kanzuki is a socialite and powerful fighter who was first introduced to Street Fighter Alpha 3, kind of as a rival to Sakura. Right. And she has been tracking the satellites through her company. Although my favorite thing is Sakura didn't really care about her. Oh, yeah. Like, Karin just just was out to get Sakura's ass, and Sakura was like, <laughs> Ryu's so cool. Yep, pretty much. Karin's like, pay attention to me! <laughs> yeah, God I th- damn it! I think how it goes is that Sakura beats up Karin, and then Karin, like, basically gets the, like, I have to beat Sakura under any... Right, out for revenge, but Sakura doesn't even remember fighting her or whatever. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. By the time Street Fighter V rolls around, they're like friends now, but... Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so she... Like, this all happens, like, New York, like, ends up losing power, and she decides that she needs to spring into action. So she puts together a team of herself, an ex-Shadaloo member by the name of Birdie, who's originally from Street Fighter One, a pro wrestler from Street Fighter Alpha 3 by the name of Rainbow Mika, and a ninja student from Street Fighter Three named Ibuki. So... They all get together, and they realize they need to get together the most powerful warriors from across the globe in order to fight this menace off and to protect the chess pieces, because these are clearly what are controlling those satellites, and they've been sent to the various fighters around the globe, so all the more reason to get these people together. So, a bunch of fighters end up underneath her banner, including St. Keith, eventually Rashid, Ken Masters, Cammy White, among others. Like, even unknown fighters end up with who ended up with chess pieces, such as Laura. Mm-hmm a fighter from Brazil, and sister to Sean, oddly enough, and Alex, who joins up with them, but only after, like, Dalsim shows up and is like, hey, you should join us, and, like, sits on top of this car. Like, he teleports in front of him. Right. And then Alex is just like, oh, you're a mugger. I need to fight you. <laughs> Which is like, wait, what? <laughs> yes, yes, this naked Indian man who can stretch and float is a mugger. Yes, you're correct. You know what? I, I still like him more than Ryu. Yeah, I still do, too. So yeah, they all get together and whatnot. So in the meantime, though, like this satellite's detonated over New York and the military is like, we need to do something about this. So Guile is tasked with stopping Shadaloo once again. Mm-hmm. And he teams up with Chun-Li as they, as they do. And they yep. go to New York to figure out what's going on. So upon getting to New York, they encounter the four kings of Shadaloo, which once again is Fang, Balrog, Vega, and of course M. Bison himself. Right. So they confront M. Bison, and Chun-Li, like, takes the fight directly to him. But unfortunately, Chun-Li is briefly overpowered by Bison. Like, he's already absorbed some of the energy. And uh, before Bison, though, can do anything to her, Cammy shows up and rescues both of them, and they run off. It's at this point that it's revealed that Chun-Li and Guile both were sent chess pieces by an unknown person. So 
This, however, makes him a target for Karin's group because they're not quite on the same page yet. Wait, is Cammy not working with Karin? She gets recruited later. I kind of skip okay. ahead with that, so that that's okay, my bad enough. on that one. But uh, so okay, so Karin's group is vigilantes at this point. Yeah, they kind of are. Okay. The... Yeah, we have the They're classic. Also really weird vigilantes. <laughs> like yeah. who are these people? <laughs> she found a stretchy man, the U.S. martial arts champion, a random wrestler, <laughs> and a ninja high schooler. Yeah, just got them all together and was like, let's do this thing. So, right now we have I, the class... Sorry, I, I I really like the idea of, like, this... What is she in this game? Like, 19, 20? Less? Something like that. She's she's an adult at this point, but yeah, right. she's young. I, I really like the idea of this 20-year-old socialite showing up at Ken's house and being like, hey, we're going to go beat people up to save the world, and him being like, rad, let's go. Yeah, yeah let's do this. <laughs> I'm down. Yeah, it's it's kind of an inspired choice to, like, bring back this kind of ancillary character from Street Fighter 3 and just be like, no, you're basically the main character now. Right. Get in on this. <laughs> so, yeah, like, we're right now at the point of the story where we have the the anime trope of, like, there's two competing good guy factions, but right. they're not really sure if they should trust each other. Because Rashid shows up and is like, hey, how's it going? Heard you got chess pieces. I need those. <laughs> <laughs> and and Guile's like, no, I'm not definitely not going to do that. And they're about to get into a fight when Nash shows up, Charlie Nash, right? Because he's intent on finding Bison. He happened to be found in New York, so he's like, okay, I'm here to do that. And he also needs to find Guile as well. So like, they see each other, and Guile's like horrified. He's like, this cannot possibly be my friend. And they end up fighting. They have a huge dumb fight, and <laughs> Guile loses, and Charlie takes his piece. And Rashid takes the opportunity to steal Chun-Li's piece in the confusion. And I'm sure, sure just everyone kind of feels dumb right now. <laughs> yeah, probably. So Nash and Rashid later meet up in another location. Like they had met up earlier and I kind of formed their own little separate team. Right. And they end up finding Helen is there as well. So Helen explains how she plans to stop Shadowloo. By gathering the pieces, they can use them to disable Operation Chains. Because not only can it activate it, it can also basically scramble and destroy the program. So it's pretty clear at this point that Helen knows more than she's letting on, which is really emphasized when Urien shows up out of nowhere and demands to know what she's doing. Ah, right. Yeah. So she basically ignores him because she's like, you're not my boss, so go away. And she like says, like, the only person I follow is the future true leader of the world, which is obviously Gil. Oh my Gil. god. It's obviously Gil. Oh my Gil. god. <laughs> so... Is that even happening right now? Well, not quite, but we're, we're getting there. <laughs> so, it's shortly after this that Rashid and Karin, like, like end up meeting up in the end of fighting, because they're also still not quite on the same page. And they eventually sure. just agree to work together, and Karin's big old fighter convention starts to take off. So, she also tries to recruit Ryu at this point, but Ryu's like, hey, I can't, because I'm afraid that Dark is going to overtake me. And Ken, like, goes to meet him. He's like, hey, what the hell? We need your help. But Ryu's right. like, hey, listen, you gotta trust me. I just need to confront it on my own terms. I need to train for enlightenment. And Ken's like, okay, no, I got your back. I understand. I'll go cover for you. So Karin and the rest of the fighters collect as many of the pieces as possible, and they determine that the last piece is at the Shadowloo base. So they do the only thing they think they can do. They bust into the base and beat, your, beat up a bunch of soldiers. Sure. 
So, like, as the main team, like, fights their way through, Ibuki and Rainbow Mika encounter Balrog, who actually has the final piece. Uh, Balrog has his own interesting little thing going on. Like, he discovered a small child that was hanging out <laughs> in one of the Shadowloo bases and sort of adopts him. As you do in the Street Fighter canon. Yeah, like, he first Sometimes he's like, you just adopt a child. Yeah, like, at first he's like, man, M. Bison really liked this kid because he has psycho power in him somehow. Right. But eventually he's like, ah, nah, he's kind of like a son to me. It's great. <laughs> but yeah, they end up encountering Balrog and they beat him up and take his chess piece. And with that, they end up with the remaining six. So they bust into the control room and they encounter Fang, who's like, ha ha, I will stop you. Except there's like 10 of them. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't go well because Karin just literally just beats him up. And then Chun-Li uses the pieces to shut down the Black Moons. So you think with that, the crisis is averted. Everything is done. Everything is good. But you'd be wrong. <laughs> yeah, of course. So it turns out that they... It turns out he has a backup plan. He being Fink. Right. He's just gonna slam all the boons into the earth. Okay, just Operation Meteor this whole deal? Yeah, pretty much. So it turns out he has re-kidnapped a young hacker. That young hacker being Lee Fen. Lee Fen, by the way, is now a hacker. <laughs> sure, I guess. Okay. Yeah. And using Lee Fen, he intimidates her into creating and executing the descent program for Operation Wait. Chains. Wait, these are his meteors. Why did he need to hack them to make them crash? You know. They're his satellites. I mean, they scrambled the program, I guess, and maybe got, like, damaged. And so they're like, little girl, <laughs> I need your help. <laughs> if this was his backup plan... What? Okay, first of all, why do the chess pieces, why are they able to scramble the satellites? Who made the chess pieces? Why can they scramble the satellites? My understanding is that the chess pieces were created as control keys by Shadowloo, and I guess okay. they just wanted to have a failsafe there for some reason. And then Helen stole all those and sent them all to the, the fighters and whatnot. Which, by the way, Helen's behind all this. Right. Okay. Yeah, it, I guess they just want to have, well, they had to, I guess they just want to create a situation where it's like, okay, no, we have to ha have a reason for the good guys to get the chess pieces, besides keeping them from Shadowloo. Okay, so why didn't he just build something into the satellite so that if they get scrambled, they automatically enter the Operation Descent? That would have made a lot more sense. But yeah, no, they just decided not to do that for okay, some reason. Okay, just kidnap the child who can hack now, I guess. Yeah, we'll just we'll just get the child. We'll get the child who never ages and she'll kidnapping number two of three on the record so far. Yep. Yeah, this kid okay. gets kidnapped a lot. Yeah, it's twice in one game. It's twice in one week right now. Yeah, pretty much. Poor girl has no luck. By the same guy. By the same guy. Yeah, they figured they would just send her somewhere safe or something. Yeah. So this all happens and like. You know, Chun-Li, like, disables the program, and, like, Abel actually shows up at this point. Uh, it turns out he was a undercover operative in Shadowloo, which you figure somebody would have been like, man, you look an awful lot like M. Bison. Right. Hmm. Wonder if he has something going on. Eh, whatever. Yeah, that's fine. But yeah, so they learn about the Descent program, which is going to be basically, in 24 hours, the moons are going to crash into the Earth and cause massive destruction. Okay. So M. Bison, like, appears now. He's finally in the story. And he's like, hey, boy, that's kind of cool that you're doing this. And Fang's, like, really happy about it. He's like, yes, my plan. Ah. 
Mm-hmm. And so now that Ambice showed up, Nash shows up as well. He's like, hey, I'm here to mess you up, buddy. And so they end up fighting against each other, but Bison is just way too powerful for him at this point. Like, right. he just repels him out of the way of his psycho power, and, like, he just ends up being badly wounded and has to retreat. So during this time, Nikali also shows up, because, you know, he needs to All consume right. Bison's soul in order to fulfill his prophecy. And so Nikali also tries to, like, beat up Bison, and Bison's like, no, get out of here. Snacks him out of the way, essentially. <laughs> so, and, like, Fang also joins and also fights him as well, and, like, Nikali has to, like, sh- you know, fade into shadows and escape himself. Right, and then escape from Street Fighter completely. Yep, pretty much. Because <laughs> we're done yeah. with that character, I guess. <laughs> well, Nikali's going to still have a few things to do here. All right. Yeah, in fact, in the very next scene, like, Nash, like, retreats and, like, he meets up with Rashid and, like, he's, Nash is, like, super, like, frustrated. He's like, man, I just couldn't do anything against him. Like, I have no idea, like, what we could possibly do. And, like, Rashid's like, hey, man, I understand. You know, I'm trying to get, still rescue my friend. It's, you know, it's, this stuff is difficult. And then Nikali shows up and is like, I'm going to eat your all souls. Boy, <laughs> he's they, really about the one thing, huh? He really is about the one thing. And then they fight him off and he has to retreat. <laughs> Nikali, much like Akuma, kind of bad at his job. A little bit, yeah. So yeah, like, um, like they like escape from the base. And like, Nikali's still like, like coming in like after him and whatnot. And, um, and like, they're about to escape like the Shadow base and like, Abel ends up getting brainwashed the last second for some reason. Sure. That might as well happen. Might as well happen, but that ends up being resolved with Zangief just showing up and, like, punching him in the face and knocking sure, him out. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that'll do it, I guess. So, yeah, like, that all happens, and, like, they end up escaping the Shadowloo base, and now they have to figure out how they're going to stop these, these Black Moons from slamming into the Earth. So, they end up leaving, and, like, kind of, like, trying to, like, figure out how they're they're kind of going to do things and whatnot. So, yeah, basically what happens is that Karin reveal not Karin, um, Helen reveals that she may have an idea of how to stop Operation Shanes. And she reveals it by telling Rashid a riddle that his old friend had told Helen. And with that riddle, Rashid is able to start deducing how he can possibly stop this. So, during this time, Nash begins to start to degrade, unfortunately. And, like, Helen's, like, very frustrated about this and very upset. Because she she's been starting to care about Nash and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But Nash is like, hey, no, this is my fate. I wasn't even supposed to come back in the first place. And just kind of hopes that everybody will be able to stop M. Bison before it's too late. And with that, he ends up he ends up leaving. And Right. So People, people really like Nash. People do really like Nash. I, I kind of like Charlie, too. He's cool. I like he, him. He throws sonic booms with one hand. It's great. Yeah. So everybody gets back to Karin's estate to lick their wounds, and figure out what to do. When Ryo shows up, and he's like, hey, how's it going? I, I think I kind of overcame this Darkado stuff. Just off-screen, huh? Just kind of off-screen. All which right. Which very convenient, because Nikali shows up. And so they end up having a big old dumb fight and whatnot. <laughs> sure. And it's revealed that Ryu has learned how to just straight-up control the Satsui no Hado. Like, he has learned that to confront and embrace it, but in a way where he doesn't give in to the evil. And using that, he is able to revert Nikali back to his original state. And with that, Nikali disappears. Because it turns out, Ryu hasn't just learned how to use the Satsui no Hado for good. He has learned the true power of nothingness. What does that mean? 
I have no idea. <laughs> what does that mean? Does that mean that Ryu can just disappear people now? I think he can disappear spirits. All right. Yeah, because the idea of the power of nothingness is to basically be able to fight without anger or fear or emotion, essentially. Right. So, with all that, they're like, okay, we need to figure out how to stop these these dark moons, or the black moons and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, though, they're late on at least one of them. Because, oh. unfortunately, one of the black moons ends up slamming into Moscow. Oh. Yeah, and... The, well, that's unfortunate. Yeah, and the rest of the cities that are being targeted aren't fully evacuated yet either. So, as the city of Moscow burns, Helen looks over it, because that happens to be her hometown, and she pulls out a book that the Illuminati has. It's basically their sacred text, and, mm-hmm. you know, prays over it. And with that, Urian shows up and is like, hey, you holding up okay? Boy, man, Moscow, right? Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> What is happening? It's just so all over the place. Yeah, and like, but with all that, with all the chaos that's happening, the psycho energy is just immense. And with that, Bison begins to absorb all that, and Fang is just like, yes! Finally, all my plans! Everything is working out the way it's supposed to. And Mm -hmm. so, like, He's, like, ready to be so powerful and make everything possibly happen and destroy everything. And so he's about to, like, begin unleashing his power. But unfortunately, a team of of Rashid, a somehow not dead Nash, even though he walked off to basically die off screen. Right. And as well as uh, a few other people as well, end up arriving at the... at the base, and they instruct, like, and, like, Rashid's like, hey, listen, I'm gonna infiltrate the base and implement the plan to destroy the Black Moons. Basically, he's learned how to hack into the system and more or less destroy the Black Moons before they land. And so that's what he's gonna do. So. Why didn't... <sighs> okay. Yeah, I'm not really sure either. It's... It's a bit of a mess. So, while they're all doing this, a helicopter arrives over the Shadowloo base, and after dodging, like, a bunch of missiles and whatnot... All the fighters that have assembled before jump on out. Ryu and Karin and Ken and Zangief and all this. Like, like the dolls, like, uh, Bison's dolls are down there, like, brainwashed, mm-hmm. ready to fight them. Like, one of them, like, actually tries to stab, like, Zangief with a, with a katana. And, like, it basically, he just breaks the blade with his muscles and whatnot. <laughs> it's actually kind of cool. And so, like, they all end up, like, beating up a bunch of people down there and kicking people around and, like... But they also notice that, like, the dolls are getting stronger and stronger, and it turns out they're, like, their bodies are surging with psychopower, because being bison clones, they're able to absorb that power as well. Right. So, like, the fight is, like, actually proven to be kind Wait, of Wait, are they bison clones? They're supposed to be, yes. Well, they're supposed to be sort of, like, kind of combination of bison clones and just spare bodies. It's, it's... Because some they... of them are just straight-up brainwashed, kidnapped people. Yes. Yeah, it's it's all over the place with <laughs> what they are trying to do with these characters. Like they literally change their mind from game to game what they're supposed to be. <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's it's kind of awful. It's kind of awful. <laughs> it's kind of cuz some characters like entire backstories are centered around those dolls. Mhm. Yeah, it it really is. And like get that's the thing with Capcom though. They can never get their story straight with Street Fighter. Yeah. Because they never move forward, they're always constantly, like, sitting somewhere in the middle, and so they have to invent Reason's whole cloth for, like, say, Ryu's still worried about the Dark Hado, or why right. the 
why the Cami dolls, which by the way were rescued at the end of Street Fighter Alpha 3, are still here. Or Right. Yeah, it and I it it really shows that they need to sort of move on from all this if they do do a Street Fighter 6. A little bit, yeah. Like Ugh. Mortal Kombat 10 only worked after 9 because it moved forward. Mhm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like they've been going they've been doing okay moving forward, introducing a younger generation. Like it's been yeah. going all right for them. So so yeah, like um so yeah, all this is happening, and then in the middle of this, Rashid is like in the chaos, infiltrates the control room, and he inputs the code to stop the black moons. Now, before he could do that, he's he ends up getting confronted by Fang. Like Fang like sits there and like he's like upset that this is all happening. He's like, My plan, my glorious plan to crash stuff into the earth. Mm-hmm. How dare you? You know what happened to your friend, by the way? I killed him. So, this is effective because it stops him from actually doing the, sh- the shutdown sequence. <laughs> right. And he lashes out and fights Fang. And while doing that, like, Fang ends up poisoning Rashid, and, like, because of that, Rashid, like, isn't able to continue the shutdown sequence. So Fang's like, ha! Well, aren't you an idiot? Well, I'm gonna go over and finish you yeah. off. But, like, during this time, like, Fang is the one who's controlling the dolls. Mm-hmm. And it turns out the device that he's using to control the dolls ends up getting broken in the middle of the fight. Why is the control device for the dolls probably the most central and consistent of Shadowloo's evil operations? Mm-hmm. A handheld device on the person of their newest general. Yeah. Right? Why isn't this just built into the facility Wi-Fi? Yeah. You know, just like all other plans that Shadowloo has, it's very short-sighted and just not, just filled with problems from top to bottom. Why is there a control unit? Why aren't they just brainwashed? Well, you know, what if you want to turn off the brainwashing? You don't. Yeah. You definitely don't. Yeah, but what if, like, if you brainwash them and it overwrites a piece of, like, hey, what's a good pizza place around here? And you need to unbrainwash them to find that out. Every time... They break free of the brainwashing. They try to kill Bison. <laughs> Every time. Yeah, but you know, what if this time they don't? They will. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so they, they unleashed the dolls again, I guess. Yeah, yeah, they did. And with that, all the fighting outside essentially stops. Also, by the way, there was a doll in the control room that was trying to stop Rashid this whole time. Uh-huh. And now that doll is no longer under Fang's control. So uh, this ho- doll is called, I believe it's called Mods. He's, uh, I believe, Norwegian. And he just, uh, um, actually, she decides that, like, okay, no, I'm going to now stop you. And starts fighting Fang and whatnot. Like, Fang's able okay. to, like, stop him or stop her. And, like, with that, like, he still is, like, trying to, like, you know, like, do the shutdown sequence. But before before Fang could do that, Marts like tackles Fang and knocks him over a railing, and they plummet down a literal reactor shaft. <laughs> ah, yeah, they they literally Emperor from Return of the Jedi fall down this. Right. So yeah, with that though, Rashid still isn't able to like put in the shutdown sequence because more Shadowloo soldiers comes in. And he has to like start fighting him off. So at this during this time, like since all the fighting stops, like Karin's team's able to get in there and. 
like they all start try, starting to fight Bison, but Bison's like so, he's so enhanced at this point, he's like just fighting them off, just slapping them around, like doing everything, and they're just not able to do a, do a darn thing against him. So Nash ends up appearing, and he actually confronts Bison, and Bison like ends up like starting to fight him, and actually begins to like overpower him because as uh, as all this is happening. The base begins to start to fall apart just because of all the damage it's doing, people falling into the literal reactor, all that mm-hmm. other stuff. Um, like because of that, and because of that, Bison starts to lose his power, and Nash is able to overpower him. So Nash is about to go in for the kill, but Bison is able to like stop him and like keep him from doing that, and uh, and like manages to throw him to the side, but not before Nash is able to put his hand on Bison's chest and drain him of the psycho power. So. He does that, and Bison's like... He does like, that? Yeah. Yeah, he's able to apparently just drain Bison of this psycho power. Oh. Yeah, and with that, Nash dies, by the way. He's overwhelmed oh. by the energy and explodes. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, during this time as well, Rashid manages to fight off all the Shadowloo soldiers, and despite being weakened, is able to save the world. He enters the code and stops everything from crashing with 28 seconds left to spare. I feel like 28 seconds from impact, um, gravity's just sort of going to take over that course at that point. You figured it would, but I guess it just like those orbs just like reverse and go like, well, going back up to a stable orbit. Oh, I don't know if that's actually what happens, but yeah, no, I you think that's like it would just crash and everything would be bad, but nope, somehow not. Okay. so, yeah. So with this, Bison's just, like, super upset. He's like, all my plans are failed, and oh, my God. Those were Fang's so, plans, but anyway. Ah, uh, yeah, but, you know, Bison's going to take credit. He's the boss. He's going to take credit. True. You know, take credit for successes, blame the failures on Fang. This is true. So, Guile and Chun-Li are like, all right, well, let's go and beat up Bison now. But, like, then Fang shows up. He's like, hey, despite falling down this reactor shaft, I guess I'm okay. Anyways, what are you going to do, Chun-Li? There's no way you could stop me. Chun Li proceeds to beat the beat his ass. Just yeah, wrecks him. I, don't, I don't. Does the strongest woman in China mean nothing to anybody? Apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> like the only person who's been able to consistently beat Chun Li is Bison, and it's only after he's gotten like a bunch of psycho power in him. Yeah. So, Fang is defeated. He just passes out. He's like, "Well, I guess I'm out of the story now." And so they run up to to confront Bison, but but Bison manages to like escape momentarily, only to run into Ryu. Yeah, by the way, Ryu's here. Forget Ryu's about here. him. Ryu's, Ryu's been in the game, Mister Protagonist Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Bison's like, "Whoa, Ryu! What the? What makes you think you can defeat me?" He punches real good, dude. He does. And Ryu think, states though that his strength. He thought his strength came from, like, sometimes being defeated and just getting stronger from that. But no, his strength is actually from pushing forward and getting stronger, moving forward in the future. Unlike the Street like Fighter the series. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Bison's like, whatever, man, I'm going to take you on. And so they fight. And, you know, Ryu, now that he's enlightened, actually gets manages to overcome him. Like, Bison's just not able to stop him at all. But, like... Bison gets up and is about to give him, like, one more final blow when Ryu uses a Hadouken on him. And when he gets hit with this energy, he realizes it's been infused with the power of nothingness. 
And since the power of nothingness can dispel evil, that means Bison is about to be dispelled in a really bad way. <laughs> so Bison's uh, body starts to crack apart, and psycho energy starts to like be released from him. Mm-hmm. And all Bison can do is laugh as his body crumples and falls apart. With that, the base begins to collapse. Chun Li like takes one last look at at Bison's cap, is content knowing that Bison is now no longer a threat. Rescues Li Fang and manages to escape. So yeah, with that, they end up escaping the Shadowloo base. Everyone is now unbrainwashed and everyone is safe. Uh, Rasheed's lost friend, by the way, is alive. He, he just managed oh. to survive and escape. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I guess uh, guess he wasn't actually dead, so that's cool. And yeah, so everything but- seems to be good. Except after the credits, we see Helen in a dark room. And she kneels before a man sitting on a throne. Yeah, she, okay. Hel- Helen works for Gil. She's part of the Illuminati. The Illuminati saves the whole thing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. She she reports to Gil <laughs> that Shadowloo's been defeated, and she reveals that her true name is Colin. Now, you're probably being like, well, why does that is that supposed to matter to us? And the answer is yes, actually. Okay. Because in Street Fighter 3, whenever he's, Gil's introduced, he has a secretary with him, a blonde secretary with a very dumb hairstyle uh-huh. that exists only to show that, hey, if character turns around, um, we don't just mirror the sprites anymore. Right, right. That secretary is Colin. You're probably asking yourself, this feels really meaningless. Yeah. And, and that that's because it is. Yeah. But hey, yeah, Gil's now here. So... With that, though, at the, in New Zealand, Ryu and Ken end up having another fight and whatnot, and while Ken ends up losing, Ryu's headband falls off, and Ken assumes that means he doesn't need it anymore. He, like, he picks it up and hmm. thinks about taking it, but Ryu takes back the headband, and he tells him that the road to fighting is never over. And so they go, yeah, you're totally right. We need to keep moving forward and keep fighting. They fist bump, and that's the end of the story. And that's Technically not the Industry Fighter Five, but it is going to be the end for the purposes of this podcast. Right. So past this point, they have released more characters, including Gil's a playable character. Um, another character named G, who's the president of the world, but not really. He's a self-proclaimed president. Yeah. yeah, who has ties to Gil in some very strange ways. And that story actually is still going on right now. But given that it's a little incomplete and a little unclear whether even bothering to take this thing, <laughs> we're not going to really get into that. Perhaps one day we'll do kind of a coda on all of this and maybe cover other parts of Street Fighter. But right. for the purposes, Shadowloo is now totally for real defeated. And Bison is totally for real dead. He is definitely not going to come back. No, sir. Definitely not, except that he will, because the Illuminati is stupid, and every other evil organization in Street Fighter is stupid. Shadowloo is just the only one that works. Mm-hmm. M. Bison's the only villain that works. Yeah. Yeah, it totally is. It totally is stupid. M. Bison is going to come back because they're going to want to use that. They're going to want to use this fighting style. They've, they sort of yeah. tried to come up with a character that they've released that's sort of M. Bison-like clearly as like like he's a yeah. boxer character but it's clear that he's supposed to like maybe be his replacement down the road right so and maybe I, I actually really like that character i think he's a lot of fun yeah he's really cool uh i i've one thing i'll say about street fighter 5 is i do like what they've done with a lot of the new characters they've released and like spins yeah. on old characters like dan and whatnot but um i i don't trust their storytelling at all and i don't trust no. that they'll actually move on and move forward because this is capcom yeah we talked about this in the Mega Man series. Yeah. They don't move forward. They they 
are incapable of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, who knows what's going to be for the future of Street Fighter V, uh, or Street Fighter in general. Street Fighter right now is in a very odd position. It's not the most popular fighting game in the world anymore. Uh, it no. was briefly supplanted by Smash Brothers Ultimate, and I, I'm while I'm not sure if that's still on top right now, it, it is notable it was not the final game at EVO for the first yeah. time. Uh, at this point, two years ago, at the, at the last EVO that actually happened. Right. And I'm, I'm not sure if it's going to be the final game at this year's either. I Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, they, they're still sort of working that out, it seems like. But, and with that, like, while Street Fighter V did sell well, it was a million seller and whatnot, mm-hmm. the reception to it has been certainly mixed, and while they have been doing a lot of work to support that game and have gotten it to a good place, it does make me sort of wonder what they're going to do for Street Fighter VI, or if they have any real strong plans to do a Street Fighter VI. Really, nowadays, it's more of a games-as-a-service, and it seems like they're pretty content with just kind of supporting the game that they have now rather than creating something new. Right. So I know that there have been some very plausible rumors of a Street Fighter Six announcement forthcoming. Hmm. Um, like, there there was even... There might have actually been, like, an official announcement to the, to the effect of, yes, there will be a Street Fighter Six, like, it's definitely happening. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to rack my brain. I think, I think the Capcom Twitter account posted a artwork to the effect of like a six with with some Street Fighter stylings. Hmm. Um, late 2019, and then 2020 kind of happened, and some things needed to be delayed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the, par- sort of the prevailing theory is we got the latest season of Street Fighter V content sort of as a consequence of that. Hmm. Okay, that would actually make a lot of sense. Um, yeah, according to this Game Rant article that I just pulled up, apparently, yeah, mm-hmm. there was a uh, part of the big Capcom hack that happened last year. Three, six, uh, three Street Fighter Six games were uh, were leaked by that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I including... Yeah, Super and Ultra Editions, essentially. So it's really more updates, but yeah. So right. yeah, it seems to have essentially been all but confirmed. And like even like RedBull.com, who has a major mm-hmm. esports team and whatnot, is talking about it. So yeah, Street Fighter Six looks like actually it will be an ongoing concern. But it'll yeah. be very interesting to see where they go with that. Are they going to actually commit to moving forward? I don't know. And it's, it's interesting because it seems like when it happens, it will be in different hands, like development team-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's going to be really interesting, and that team is going to have concerns to contend with other than the story mode. Yeah, like building a new game from the ground up, essentially. Right. And being like, hey, uh, people who weren't super happy with Street Fighter V, at least at launch, um, yeah, we we definitely fixed the online play this time. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one thing I actually have to say is I am excited from by the fact that they are sort of moving on from the old guard, or there seems to be the implication that they are. Right. Because Ono's not with them anymore, and the company that's been working alongside Capcom to develop these games has been Dimps, which Dimps is actually run by the former director of the first Street Fighter. Mm. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, so like if... And I know there's been some rumors that they're going to be moving on from Dimps, which if they do, then, right. wow, okay, this is going to be kind of a new thing in many kinda, ways. Kind of, yeah. So, yeah, it, 
it could be some something really exciting coming down the road. It could be. Um, that said, the last universally praised fighting game released by Capcom was probably Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom Three. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, that was twenty ten. Yep, sure was. So yeah, good eleven years ago. So they got they got some work to do to get their fighting games back on track. They really do. They really do. And yeah, I I really hope that if they do like if they do like try to knock it out of the park, they do like a Street Fighter three sort of situation. Like yeah. I know that would be the unpopular thing to do, but I mean that's part of the that's a big reason why I like Street Fighter three. I like all the weird characters that are in there. Yeah, yeah, I don't. The, the, it, it seems to me the options are you make a Street Fighter 3 or you make a Street Fighter 4. Yeah. Yeah, make a return and, to form or do something right. completely different. Right. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. But yeah, with that, that is the plot of Street Fighter as it, is, as it more or less stands today. Once again, there are still a few other details that are still being worked out because new characters are still being added and new story elements are being added, such as right. stuff going on with Gil and Urien and whatnot that unfortunately don't really factor in too big to the overall story right now i'm I'm sure they'll be expanded upon or probably tying into a little bit of street fighter 6 and so perhaps one day we'll go ahead and explore that but for now i think this might be a good spot to leave things off yeah so with that alex do you have any sort of final thoughts about the street fighter franchise i think we kind of already covered that in a in a sense but maybe maybe in the sense of the story the undisputable best scene of Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite Story Mode is Thanos declaring he has mastered the power of the Satsui no Hado and then going into a Hadoken pose. Nothing wow, will it... ever come of that, but... that That's really good, actually. It was the biggest pop-off. Man, every time I hear about <laughs> random elements from Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, I'm like, man, they actually did some kind of cool things with that, didn't they? They tried really hard. Most of them didn't land. Yeah, most of them it didn't was land. Like, that one as the post credit stinger and I don't know, the Hulk punching a monster from Monster Hunter. That's pretty good, too. That is pretty good, too. Yeah. I also like the fact that Sigma was an actual major character in that game. Also, yeah. That's because I'm a Mega Man fan, so of course I'm going to like that. He teamed up with Ultron, which sort of makes sense. Yeah, totally does. Yeah, it gives me hope for a Mega Man X game in the future. But yeah. I guess with my final thoughts on Street Fighter are, mm. I wonder if they're going to wrap up Kuma's deal at all. Probably not. But man, Probably that'd be nice. Not. It, it sure would. But on the other hand, Nikali happened. So, you know, be careful what you wish for. I guess Nikali literally was just a Kuma endgame in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well... I uh, guess the good thing about that is they didn't ruin Akuma in the process. You know, yeah, Akuma actually has very little to do with the story of Street Fighter V. Oh, yeah. Which is perhaps refreshing, because, I mean, he was a pretty central focus in at least parts of Alpha and and uh, Street Fighter IV. Right. So perhaps that perhaps that's for the best. Uh, well, I think my final thoughts for the Street Fighter franchise are maybe they should just come on out and say that Chun-Li's the main character. I think I think that would be for the best. It would really just be confirming what everyone already knows. Yep. I want the box art of Street Fighter Six to just be a really big picture of Chun-Li. And then Ryu's there in the corner, I guess. Sure, why not? Yeah, that, that sounds pretty good. 
But yeah, thank you everybody for joining us on this wild ride through the world of Street Fighter. We'll of course be taking next week off as I get prepared for our next series that we're going to be going over. I've already decided on it and it's going to be a pretty good one. But yeah, if you do like content like this, you can see more podcast episodes at ftp.podbean.com. And you can also find us on iTunes uh, as well as Google Play to search FTP. I've actually done that and it actually works. And we're not buried like 20 podcasts deep. We're like five deep. It's actually kind of amazing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I was kind of surprised by that. And of course, you can also find us on YouTube at Falling Through Plot Holes. And of course, keep up with updates to this at my Twitter account at www.twitter.com slash OGFSN. But with that, if you're ever wandering down the street and you have a random man challenge you to a fight, just remember, hey, guess what? You're part of a tournament now. You might get rich and famous or you might no, also get stabbed. You're just going hit, to get hit in the head with a fireball. Oh, yeah, yeah. It'll actually probably be okay. It might seem deadly, but... Yeah, no, it'll just like 20%. Yeah, it's just it's like just getting slapped in the head. It'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, take care, everybody. See you next time.